Welcome back Atlassians. As we dive into this very last chapter on parenting and being a full-time worker too. Very difficult thing to juggle. Dr. Becky, I'm sure you talk about this all the time with your clients, with your groups. How do you recommend that parents find a healthy balance? Sometimes I don't even like the word balance, but for lack of a better word, how do you recommend that parents find that balance between work and home life? What are your tips that you've seen be most successful for trying to navigate this complex so I think you're right, Gloria, and how you started, and me too. When I hear healthy balance, like for my own work-life balance, I think, oh, I don't know if I have that. Like maybe one day a month, I think that was really balanced, you know? Um, and it's not to say that the opposite has to be true either, but it's really nuanced, right? How do I kind of engage at work where I feel so fulfilled and, you know, purposeful and lit up and interested? And how do I engage at home where I'm doing such important work in a different way and that work is less linear and also involves fun and play. It's it's a lot. So I think we all can just remind ourselves, nobody has the answer. I do not have the answer for you. I don't have the answer for me, okay? So we're all trying to figure this out. I do think that boundaries, right? That's the first word that comes to mind for me when I think about my work life and my home life. And I think, especially for people who work from home, boundaries are really tricky because it seems like, oh, this is amazing. I'll get, you know, more efficient at work and I'll get more time at home. And yes, with and yet without the clear boundaries of where one starts and the other begins, it can also it can often feel like I'm not doing either, you know, as well as I want, or I'm exhausted on both ends. So I have found a lot of luck for people working from home, scheduling in commute time. There is really something to the commute. It's the transitional space between work and home. And our bodies really do require different things in different places, right? Playing blocks with your kids and being an engaged parent involves embracing kind of no specific outcome. It involves really maybe being silly. It involves talking to your four-year-old. Those might not be the same skills you're using during your day. So either taking a walk outside, listening to eight minutes of a podcast the way you would have on your subway ride home or right, whatever you would have done actually doing that. And I think also then communicating that to a partner, if a partner is with your kids and saying, hey, I know this might sound odd, but you might peek in and say, hey, you don't really look like you're working. What are you doing? Well, one of the things I've noticed is it's hard to make the transition back and forth. And I want to put in this little in-between time so I can be more present at home. So really, really explain that. Yeah. How about um, when, because this is what our family looks like, um, if both caretakers happen to be working too, would you recommend like you take turns doing that or is there a different model you'd recommend there? I'd recommend really direct communication about when one parent is on for the other parent and when the other one expects to be there as kind of the the second parent who's joining but not fully responsible for starting bath time, right? And yes, I think that would be great to have a system where you each get days where you can kind of finish out work in a way that feels good to you versus what happens to a lot of parents who work from home and think, oh my goodness, the last thing I want to do is stop working, but I have to, you know, my the babysitter has to go or my kid has to be picked up from school and I have to, right? It doesn't feel good if that's the same parent over and over and over. 
I also think devices, just they have to be talked about when we think about this balance, right? I know for me on the days or weeks I work from home, it is a lot harder for me to stop checking Slack than on the days I'm at work. There's this very visual reminder for me when I'm out of the home of like, oh, workplace stuff happens in my workplace. And I kind of give myself more permission. And I do find on that commute for me when I'm working at home, sometimes I live in New York City, I live in an apartment building. Sometimes I'll literally step into my hallway this is ridiculous. I'll take the elevator down and then I'll just take the elevator up. But in that time, I put my phone in my bag and I kind of say, today I've done enough work. And then using the word job for me is super helpful. I, I take my job very seriously. So if I tell myself right now, my job is to put my phone in my room and my job is to sit at dinner and listen to what happened in my kid's day, I'm much more likely to do it than if I just kind of float into dinner and I'm probably like, oh, I have a message I can read, except I probably didn't have to read it right then um, during a moment, which guess what? When we're doing that, it's no wonder our kids tantrum more and fight more because they're really looking to get connection with us and instead they get a lot of disconnection. Great useful nuggets. Um, Let's keep kind of diving into what you'd mentioned around setting and communicating clear boundaries. I think for many of us, just as humans, boundaries might not have been anything that we learned growing up. We might have even learned or had the opposite modeled to let go of all your boundaries or that it's selfish or not good to set boundaries. So for a lot of us, especially recognizing that we might just be learning boundaries for ourselves, what's your advice to parents? as we're having to learn to communicate and set work boundaries with kids. How do we do that in a healthy way? How do we help them understand, right? Okay, I know you really want to play with me right now and I know you see me at home, but I can't. How do we get through that? I love this. So just before we talked about how do I set a boundary so I can engage at home and let's be realist. Sometimes we have to say, how do we set a boundary with my kids at home so I can really engage at work, right? It goes both ways. So. I love this phrase, emotional vaccination. Like I think about it in my life and with my kids all the time, right? So what is a vaccination? It's giving someone, I'm not a medical doctor, right? it's giving someone a little bit of kind of something so they can develop antibodies and they're more prepared when the moment comes, when kind of that thing comes in a bigger way. Same thing with emotions. So here's how I would apply it in this situation. I'd probably say something like this. There are some times when I'm home with you but I'm not like really home, right? Like I'm here, but I'm not here, right? Because I'm on a work call over there. You might even hear me. <sighs> that can be really annoying, right? And then I transition into something called a dry run where we can take that prediction and actually do a dry run to build the skills we want our kids to call on in the real moment because I've been willing to name the emotional experience in advance. So that might extend and sound something like this. What can you do if you hear me on a call and I'm not available to be with you? What could you do? And kids will usually brainstorm in advance because kids like to feel capable. Kids are always doing the best with the resources they have available as our adults. And they like building more resources just like we do. So you might brainstorm about different things you can do. You might even say, you know what I can do? What if I took a picture of myself and I made sure you had it. So if you ever wanted mommy when she was on a work call and couldn't have this mommy, you could have that mommy. 
Or maybe an older kid, what if I wrote you a note and there was always a stack of notes available for what I'm on a call, right? So none of those interventions are in and of themselves magic, but they speak to what's happening. They speak to your child missing you and wanting you. And then now because you've talked about it in advance, you can actually build a coping skill that your child can actually use, which is very different than next time you cannot come running into my room. We can't tell a kid what not to do if we're not practicing what to do. You can't replace something with nothing, right? It's just an unreasonable expectation. So that is something I think about over and over again. What are the hard situations when I'm working from home? What is probably my child's underlying feeling at the time? And then how can I normalize the feeling and think about building a skill for the feeling rather than just kind of wishing the whole experience away. Yeah. What a great highlight, right? That it's not not just some magic phrase that you can use that, that's going to change it. It's really um, putting in the time to practice and, and build this skill um, and including our children actually in that. Yeah. Could I add one more strategy here? Because I think another one that I want to mention. Um, so a lot of families I work with, have found um, a lot of kind of success in a kind of red, yellow, green light calendar, right? Kids really need a sense of predictability because you might know, I'm on a work call, I'll be out by the time it's dinner. They don't know that. They don't hold on to time in the same way. They haven't had enough life experience. And especially in this kind of world of the last couple years where it feels like I can't rely on anything being true anymore, your kid watching you slip away for a phone call, like for all they know, you'll be gone for days. Like they really don't know. So how can we turn that understanding into a strategy? That's what I ask myself all the time. So create a calendar and it could be day by day. You don't have to kind of do it month at a time. It could be week by week where you really do break down times into green, meaning definitely available, red meaning definitely not available, and yellow is maybe, right? So then you can look at a calendar in the morning and say, look, when you're having lunch at home, I'm a green. Oh, that's amazing. We'll definitely have lunch together, right? Oh, red. Oh, that's tricky. Oh, when you go to school, daddy's definitely going to be taking you because that's a red time for me. Mm, That might be a hard time. And then maybe there's a yellow time. Maybe lunch is a yellow time. And you might be thinking, well, isn't that hard for a kid to not know? Knowing you're not sure is very different than having no idea what something might be like, right? So to tell a kid, lunch is an I don't know. Huh, I'm going to really try to make it happen. I might end up being in a meeting, so it might feel disappointing. And if it does, hmm, what could you do? Now I'm back to that kind of same process. But either way, your child now has a system of understanding presence and absence, and it's visible, it's concrete, rather than your child feeling so confused, which always ends up with more dysregulation. Absolutely. I, I We've even talked about, I think, parents using like red, green, or just red and green post-it notes. Yeah. To be- or a red and green cup. Um, so it gives, like you said, the the child a system and a sense of understanding versus having to weave through like understanding of headphones in means they're talking or listening to music or something different. Yes. Fantastic. Alrighty. Anything else you would add, Dr. Becky, to juggling all of life that is parenting and work before we wrap up today? Well, I think the one last topic around boundaries and balance and work and home 
is how important it is to communicate to colleagues or supervisors if you feel overwhelmed, right? I think there's so many levels of kind of emotion at which we can communicate. And many of us wait until we're overflowing <laughs> to have it come to the surface or it comes to the surface uh, outside of our control. It just kind of boils over. So communicating it more, or communicating about it earlier might sound like saying to a supervisor, hey, I just want to talk to you about something I'm noticing. I feel overwhelmed with the mix of work responsibilities and home responsibilities, both of which are super important to me. And I don't know if I have a solution, but I wanted to bring it up because I care deeply about my job and about this company, and I want to talk about it with you before it becomes a bigger issue, right? We don't have to solve our problems before we voice our problems. That's kind of goes against the point of being in relationships with people. So I always say to people who work at Good Inside, like, talk to me early and often and directly. I want to know how you're feeling so we can help with these things. Um, and I think that that's created a policy where people don't feel like they have to hide it. And then again, it doesn't explode. So I would say if you're noticing those feelings, one of the things I know about Atlassian is they cared really deeply about how Atlassians are doing um, and in all the multifaceted ways. So to find someone and talk about it and don't feel like you have to work through it all on your own. Well, Dr. Becky, thank you so much for spending the time to share your insights and expertise and strategies with our Atlassian parents today. I feel like over this journey, you've not only provided so many pieces of learning and insight and actionable tips, but most importantly, I feel like you've really provided some permission and space for us to actually dive into things that aren't easy and make it okay for them not to be easy. And I feel like so many of our parents are going to appreciate that so much and probably really need that reminder too. So thank you so much again. I know so many of our Atlassian parents will hopefully find so much benefit and use out of our conversation today. Thank you so much.